Hello there, and welcome to Sweet Child of Time. I'm your host, Steve Barnes, and we are recapping Dark. We're continuing with Dark, and we're on season two right about now. We're doing episode one. We're recapping beginnings and endings. I believe that's what this episode is called. Uh, My co-host is nodding, so I'm correct. I always forget to look at the episode titles. I'm bad. Uh, Let me bring in that co-host. She's from one of my stories. She's Lindsay Dunn. Ahoy there, Lindsay. Ahoy, Steve. Or should I say, it's the end of the world as we know it. That's right. The date today. (laughs) June 27th. (laughs) Apocalypse Day. I know, it's the beginning and the ending, and everybody in Darkland is posting all their memes on all the dark boards <laughs> about <laughs> June 27th. Um, yeah, it's really, really uh, kismet that we're starting on this episode, Beginnings and Endings, Season 2, on this date. It's awesome. Especially since we were supposed to record yesterday, and I asked mm-hmm. us to delay one day, and here we are, Apocalypse Day. You did it on purpose? Like, Is, is that what you're telling me now? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the fates have aligned, that's all I can say. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, I was going to say, it's engineer- you engineered this whole thing like, uh, like some mastermind, but no, you did not. It was <laughs> Also, June 27th, uh, season three of Dark dropped on that date, June twenty seventh, twenty twenty. Um, that's oh, a date okay. they talk about in the show a lot, but like in our real world, that's the date that you were. Everybody was waiting for Dark season three, and that's when it came out, June twenty seventh, twenty twenty. Um, so you know the showrunners are loving to play with us, and <laughs> mm-hmm. we're three years after that date, Steve. It's June 27th, 2023. That's right. Three years and 30 years into our next 33-year cycle. That's right. This We're three years into the cycle. Um, I we're don't one eleventh fe- of the way. <laughs> yeah. I don't feel any different. Um, <laughs> I don't feel like things are changing, really. Like in our show, everybody is like, you know, coming to a big head and everybody's investigating. And I'm not seeing that happen in my life. I think my cycle is mm-hmm. kind of boring. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But in the show, yes, there's there's a big transition starting here. So, but we'll get into that. We'll yeah, start. we're going to have to. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, we left season one. We left um, Jonas was, of course, a uh, stranger Jonas, I should say, mm-hmm. was determined that he wanted to change the future. And, you know, we see now the future that he was trying to change. And it, you know, looks, I mean, I, I that's okay if he wants to change that. I mean, <laughs> I can see where his head's at, but that was his whole point last season. And that's what he tried to do was to destroy the gate, but instead he just closed it. That's what we mm-hmm. determined like between episode 10 and this episode today, correct? Yeah, he just shut the door. He didn't <laughs> <laughs> he didn't destroy the door. Yeah. Um and one other thing I wanted to ask you before we move on is the last thing that happened the last episode, episode 10 of season one. Um, we talked about everybody was uh, during during the last five minutes, you kind of got an overview of what everybody was doing. And what two people were doing was very interesting. It was Regina and Alexander, and they were overlooking the plant. And we mm-hmm. saw like a little miniature um, black hole thingy in the cave, but they saw like the big, huge black hole thingy over top of the uh, power plant. Um, I'm assuming 
because they didn't cover that during this episode at all. So I'm assuming that's just something that they saw, like nobody else really noticed that. Yeah, you could you could take it that way. Because nobody talked about it. Like you think that would be like a big discussion, I think. Like, hey, remember the big black thing that <laughs> hovered over the town? Nobody's talking about it. So I think that's just they saw it. And that's the reason, you know, he's the power plant guy. So, of course, mm-hmm. he's not going to go around talking about it to other people, I guess. But I guess no one else saw it that we know of. Yeah, or if they did, they're not they're not talking about it. Just like, you know, we know that the power plant, their thing is revisionist history. They're like, whatever mm-hmm. we say is what happened. So mm-hmm. Alexander's like, it was a beautiful evening and we saw some lovely stars. <laughs> that was his version of what happened that evening. Yeah, I guess so. Well, shoot, I want to get into the recap. Uh, before we do, though, let's get a little bit of uh, podcast business going here. Um, yeah, we got a letter, Lindsay, earlier this week. Uh, well, not a letter, but we got a message from a listener, Tash, and she writes to us, Hi, Steve and Lindsay. I've really been enjoying your dark recaps and have been following along with each episode. I finished up on season two and have stopped for now to listen to you all, your upcoming season two recaps, before I start on season three. Looking forward to it. And she's writing to us all the way from South Africa. So hello from America. Thank you very much, Tash. That's really sweet words. Yes, thank you for for listening and for sending us the encouragement. We definitely need it. I mean, we're going to keep doing this either way. But, (laughs) you know, (laughs) we do like to hear somebody's listening out there. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Thank you very much. And, um, you know, she went on to to uh, discuss some some other shows that she's into. She talked about Silo. Um, She talked about OA. Um, You know, these are shows that we have in common because I've watched both those shows. I'm into them as well. I recommended a couple other shows to her. But yeah, it's great. She's playing along. That's kind of how I see it. Anybody who's listening along and watching the show with us is is playing our our game with us. I like it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, Lindsay, without further ado, do you want to get started with our episode? Do you want to start our recap up? Yeah, let's start. Let's get some beginnings and endings going. (laughs) (laughs) How about a beginning first? (laughs) Uh, So, in this beginning, we open with a quote from Friedrich Nietzsche. 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 How do you say his last name? (laughs) I say Nietzsche. I don't know if that's right or not, but that's what I say. And if you gaze into the abyss, the abyss also gazes into you. I have no idea what that means, but it sounds nice. I mean, it does. I mean, I'm thinking it has to have some kind of significance, but then I was thinking about it and I was like, I don't really see how it ties in with the episode. It just is an interesting quote. Um, I kind of take it as like, you know, you, you make your, like, you are what you make of yourself. Like if you look into nothingness, then you are nothingness. If you look into joy, then you are joy. Um, but I don't know how it ties in with this episode or with anything else. So I'm okay mm-hmm. to move on. <laughs> yeah. So we have, we start in a entrance to the cave in a new time period. Love it. <laughs> we know it's a new time period because each time period, the cave looks a little bit different. Mm-hmm. In this time period, we have, it looks like railroad tracks going into the cave, almost like a little, for a little mining car. Right. Um, they would like pile it up with rocks, I guess, and pull it out. 
Mm-hmm. And there was building materials alongside the cave. We then go inside the cave and there's these two men working on the tunnel. And they're actually making the Sikmundas tunnel. This is what I was talking about. Like episode two or three, I was saying, you know, how do how do they make this? How do who put these doors here? I, I remember asking you those things, <laughs> and here's our answer. Like these guys did it. Um, yeah, it's, it's a, like can, Andy Andy mm-hmm. Dufresne, you know, in the. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. Shawshank, Shawshank Redemption, Redemption. just yeah. taking out a pile of dirt at a time <laughs> shaking got, it out in the yard <laughs> yeah they've got pickaxes and they're just they are working diligently it's neat and, how like, they yeah. extend the cave like you can see where the cave is natural of course and like where they're doing it it's like a perfect square like where we see Jonas and Ulrich and everybody passing through and mm-hmm. these guys made that perfect square fantastic job guys yeah, <laughs> they're making they're They talk about that. Hey, this is the beginning and the ending of this of this tunnel. I mean, they actually oh, yeah, <laughs> musing about that. Yeah, they're like waxing philosophical while they're like all dirty and grungy and sweaty and <laughs> cramped over. It's interesting. Anything you have to, anything you can do to pass the time, I guess. Yep. Yep. <laughs> they then take a break and begin to wash up. And one is younger than the other. And I think this is the first time we're seeing both of these faces. Correct, Steve? Like Correct. Yes. yes. Okay. So um, one is 16 years old. The other is in their 30s. And the younger man, we find out later, is Noah. Mm-hmm. So I will go ahead and say that. He accuses the older man, who is credited in IMDb as Man in the Cave. So when this... <laughs> I think it's important to note that when this episode came out, when this season came out, nobody knew who this guy, this second guy was. Right. So for now, I think it's best we don't say who it is. Absolutely. Yeah. Because okay. we both know who it is. But okay. yeah, we're definitely <laughs> yeah. playing pretend. We They never said his name. So for our viewers are seeing it for the first time, um, this man is called the man in the cave. Just like the girl... In um, in the future is known as the girl from the future. That's how she's credited. <laughs> <laughs> so um, he accuses him of losing faith and no longer believing in the prophecy. Noah believes that in six days paradise begins and hell on earth will end because Adam told him. Mm-hmm. And this kind of reminded me of Egon and not sorry not Egon Trant and um, Peter in the cave before remember he was saying Mm -hmm. that um, she told us that in in this many days um, Mads will live so there's these promises that are being that are being given (laughs) oh yeah to these guys is a real vague promise like yeah it'll be paradise it's not anything Mm -hmm. specific like you're And the the older man just says, you know, you should do what, you, you know, just do what you need to do. And I've been waiting for this a long time. And it's interesting that it's you and all this elusive talk. And we're mm-hmm. just like, what is going on here? Um, but then he says, but do what you need to do. But before you do, I hope one day you won't just take everything Adam says at fast face value. And that you ask him why he took you in and why he called you Noah. Hmm. And then the young Noah just like kills this dude, you know, with a pickaxe. Yeah. And the, the guy doesn't even try to defend himself. 
Right. It's like he knew it was going to happen and he kind of accepted it unflinchingly. Um, disturbing scene to watch. Real, real disturbing. Mm-hmm. And the way what I had put in the in the recap is that this is the moment to me, this is the moment when Noah becomes a prophet emboldened to do Adam's bidding to fulfill a prophecy. So right. in season one, all we've seen is Noah is he's just kind of this cold, heartless, well, very stoic guy. You know, he seems mm-hmm. to be very confident. And here we're getting to see like a younger Noah that is a little uncertain, yet he did take the step that he was maybe told to do. So it's almost like we're seeing his origin story from transitioning from this sort of unsure man to like, yes, I'm still unsure, but Adam told me I need to do this, so I'm going to do it. Yeah, I think that this is a point that like he can't turn back now because he's taken somebody else's life. Um and it's obvious this is the first time he's done something this severe. So, I, you know, this is a turning, not just a turning point, but I don't think he can turn back at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have the tattoos. We have the the older man has the Sigmundus tattoo uh, on his chest, like on the front side. Right. We don't really get to see Noah's backside, so we're sort of like wondering if he has his tattoo already or, yeah. You know, I was <laughs> I was waxing philosophical about that. <laughs> I was like wondering if maybe later in life, I'm assuming that Noah does not have that tattoo because he's a young man still growing. And I'm thinking that maybe he got um, that tattoo as like a, you know, memento or I mean I know he's into the Sick Mundus cult pretty hard, um, obviously. Mm-hmm. But um, you know maybe he got that tattoo in remembrance of that guy, right? And then maybe he grows older, and then he has that. I don't know. <laughs> maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> but I'm looking yeah. at it as like a paradox in a way. Like he gets a tattoo, inspires the other guy to get the tattoo. And then he, in turn, inspires the first guy to get the tattoo. And then it's like an endless loop. Yeah. You get the sense, like, I don't know, I got the, I got the sense even from the in beginning, even before I know, like, I do know who this person is. But even before I knew that, you get the sense that the older guy has been, like, mentoring the younger guy. Mm-hmm. So they have this relationship where they're working together. And but it's almost like, you know, the student becomes the teacher or whatever. Some some moment where yeah, it's sure. like in order for uh you know, in order for you must increase, I must decrease, you know. So the um yeah, it's it's kind of like a flipping of the of the script, I guess you could say, for these well, two gentlemen. Yeah, yeah, there you go. I was gonna say the torch has been passed, but really it's more a flipping of the script. You're right about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but and also they talk about this guy, Adam, which we haven't met Adam yet. So we're like, who? You know, this is a new player <laughs> That's in what the we're game. Yep. And, you know, new season, new characters. They didn't mention that name, Adam, at all in season one, did they? They I'm did thinking, not. No? Okay. Yeah. So then we cut to older Noah, who we've, the one we've been hanging out with this whole time. <laughs> And he looks at the book with all those dates in it, and he reads a circle date. 
which says June 27th, 2020, beginning of the last cycle. Correct. Mm -hmm. I didn't have anything to add to that scene. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. One, the only other thought I had about that scene is if June 27th is the beginning of the last cycle, then what is the end of the last cycle? It would be uh, June 26th, 2053, I guess, you know, um, so because that's Hmm. 33 years in the future. Right. Which, I mean, again, that doesn't. That doesn't tell you anything, but it was just like, <laughs> if that's the beginning, when's, when's the end? Um, is, the beginning is, a is the end. The, be- <laughs> the beginning is the end. That's it's right. like January 1st. Like, that's the first day of the year, and it's not the last day of the year. Okay, take that back. It's not like mm-hmm. January 1st. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then, on the next scene, um, we have these two people that are having sex. And the scene continues, and we see that it's Marta and Jonas. And he says to her, I think we're a perfect match. Never believe anything else. And then Jonas wakes up, and it was a dream. So this is something we've seen before before, a bunch of times, right? Somebody has a dream or a vision, and then they wake up. Now, was this um, a dream, or is this a memory of like that summer when he and Martha hooked up? Well, good question, but, you know, we haven't seen them hook up yet. True. Yeah. They keep talking about it like in the past, like it's a thing that happened. So I didn't know if this was like a memory of that or if this is, that's just a good dream. Let's, let's continue on. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, he's in his childhood home as he's woken up before. I was going to say he's in his birthday suit. (laughs) (laughs) He's in his childhood. Yeah, we didn't. I mean, I didn't really say much about the, the sex scene. It's pretty intense. It's like they're all sweaty, and it's it's like it's a good dream for Jonas, I guess. <laughs> or except when he wakes up and he's now now in this desolate place. Right, but at least he can dream. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's in his home, but it's really dark and and destroyed. It's in bad condition. He has his father's letter. He gets dressed and walks downstairs and he sees this calendar, the 2020 calendar and the family photo still mm-hmm. pinned up from 33 years ago. So he looks at the he looks at the calendar. He sees that June 27, 2020 is circled in red ink. We have X's through I believe June 20th. Mm-hmm. That's right. And then the dates until then are are blank, and then June twenty seventh is circled in red ink. Right. Yep. So he walks outside, pulls a mask across his face, and pulls a hood over his head. And the town of Winden is uh, is in shambles. It's not looking good in Winden. Looks like everything's been <laughs> destroyed. Yeah, it looks like that uh, that apocalypse thing did happen that they were that keep talking about. Mm-hmm. It's interesting too the masks because um, this is this was filmed pre pre pandemic, so it's yes. not like people were going around wearing masks a lot. Uh, it became mm-hmm. you know a thing like later on in cinema, but this is you know they were prophetic with the masks here. Yeah. Um, yeah, the mask is really something. Uh, the mask is interesting in it in itself that he's he has because in the in the show in season one we always saw Jonas in his yellow rain jacket, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Now he has a yellow mask. 
he no longer has the yellow rain jacket, but he still has the yellow mask. So if you're following, been following our conversations about color theory, um, it's interesting to speculate what that means. You know, he no longer has the bright yellow raincoat, but he has this yellow mask. Interesting. Yeah, that's right. And it's protecting, like, not protecting his body anymore. Now it's just protecting his mouth and his nose. Mm-hmm. Or it's his, just a smaller, you know, it's a smaller okay. part of his person. A mini, a mini me yellow. <laughs> you mentioned yellow can like, be joy, happiness, you know, <laughs> or like sometimes it can be a warning, mm-hmm. um, you know, it can be an emergency. And um, yeah, so it's just, it's interesting to speculate on what the color theory would say about about his mask. So... It's true, and everything in this world, though, at this time is drab, drab, drab. Mm-hmm. Um, like no sun shining through, no bright colors of any sort. So that's like the bright one of the brightest things we see is Jonas. Mm-hmm. He has this, yeah. They use this washout filter for this part where everything is devoid of color. So it's quite the sight. Oh yeah, and he he goes rambling through town like um like Ray from. The Force Awakens, like that's who he reminds me of here. If you did, you ever see The Force Awakens? Oh yeah, yeah. That's what it's like when Ray is in that big building and she's scavenging for stuff and finding little particles. And that's mm-hmm. Jonas here. We're watching Star Wars. So there's yeah, there's been some kind of apocalyptic event. It's 2053. Most people died, although there were survivors. So he's walking around town. He goes into the school. Um, we know it's the school because there's a basketball hoop and some desks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, uh, but yet everything is destroyed. So it's like the gym of the school, and um, this, this is a pretty pretty amazing scene. And I, I remember when 1899 came out and the hospital reminded me so much of this sure. scene. I was like, I feel like they're did they film this in the same <laughs> location? Of course, we know they used the. Um, the volume. The volume. So no, it couldn't have been the same place. But that's what that that this reminds me of is the the hospital and absolutely. Or actually, the hospital reminded me of the of this scene here. So um, he picks up something from the school, and he's got this indestructible backpack thing, which is pretty <laughs> remarkable too. <laughs> yep, it's like a cooler of some sort. Yeah, he walks to the hatch and walks downstairs into the bunker. So we're getting to see the bunker in the future. Right. And uh, which we've, we've been inside the bunker in the future before, but we didn't know that where the, when the Claudia, you remember when you remarked on how there was old Claudia and it was snowing? That, that was mm-hmm. this time period right here. Yeah, okay. So the, the photos of the Wyndon residents are there with their strings, tying them together. And of Jonas course. is listening to this tape and he puts into a tape recorder and it's a recording of Claudia Tiedemann who claims she's one of the few survivors of the apocalypse. She mentions the God particle being the key if it can be stabilized. And Jonas has a photo of Marta from the mm-hmm. wall. He moves it onto the desk. Um, like it's like a picture of your loved one, which is really sweet. Yeah. <laughs> and he puts this this coin next to it. So, um, yeah, I don't, yeah, what do you think of this scene, Steve? What did your, what were your thoughts about all this? 
Well, I mean, it's interesting. He's being led by Claudia once again, mm. like, um, you know, being guided by her voice and like what to do. Um, this again reminded me of Star Wars. This is like Watto's um, from episode one, you know, Watto's little tavern that he had all his junk in. This reminds me of that. It's interesting that this is like the same bunker that, um, that you know, he and Helge touched fingers in that time and that, you know, mm-hmm. Charlotte and Peter are inhabiting now and Helge at one time inhabited. Um, he's in that exact same spot. And I guess nobody knows about it. Because it looks like he has a bunch of secret stuff down there and he keeps it hidden away from everybody else. And it seems like the town is pretty small of like maybe like 40 to 50 people. Um, Mm -hmm. These are just context clues I'm gathering from things around because it seems like he covers that door up every time, you know, he comes to it. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. It is interesting to like think, okay, is he, is this a secret is this a secret place? Um, but was you said he once again is being guided by the voice of Claudia? Did we see mm-hmm. him interacting with Claudia before, or are you are you referring to Peter and Trant how they I'm were referring to, to her? Peter and Trant how they were being okay. guided by Claudia and, um, you know, she showed up and was trying to trying to um, talk to Bartosh like in the last season. Um, mm, I don't know. Yeah. Seems like she's a guiding force from going here forward, and this is a continuation of that. Yeah, she definitely is. So then, in the next scene, we cut to, we're told that it's June 21st, 2020, six days before the apocalypse. So we're sort of taking uh, backwards... We get like, okay, and six days ago. (laughs) (laughs) I like how they do that, though. It keeps you on your toes. I enjoy it. Yeah. So Hannah is in the kitchen, which is a nice parallel to how Jonas woke up. She goes down. She also looks at the same calendar that he does. Only, you know, she's the one that marked off the day of the 21st. Right. Um, She marks that off in the calendar. So, but apparently she's yeah. next like five or six days off, and then <laughs> she comes back and circles the twenty seventh. <laughs> That's very interesting. Yeah, um, it's. I think yeah, it's. We don't. We're not sure who marked this calendar yet. Well, she did. Like it shows her doing it, right? She marks the X. Yes, that's what I mean. We don't see her mark the circle. Correct. Right, right, right. I'm talking about the X's. Like she takes a break from that. Like this is the last day. She's like, no more X's for me. (laughs) (laughs) And this is the same picture that like Michael's not smiling in, but she and Jonas are smiling and Inez is ripped out of the picture. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. Okay. And then they show like the next picture. Like, I think it's funny how like the next picture is of the Tideman family. And they're all like grinning ear to ear, like all like we love each other, you know, like the <laughs> happiest picture of the three of them. So we now move to the Tiedemann house and we see a we see a cancer ridden Regina. She has lost a lot of her hair. She's not she's not looking good. Um Bartosh is watching as the doctor examines his mom, telling her that things are getting worse. And I, I think they, you know, he's thinking about her going to the hospital and Regina says, no, she just wants to be at home. And then yeah, Bartosh, he's okay with that. The doctor seems okay with that, too. Yeah, the doctor was in favor of that choice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Martosh gets a text from Martha who asks him to come to the bridge. So. <laughs> but at least, you know, he's, he's there. He's concerned about his mom. I, I, I like this, mm-hmm. this whole, I mean, I don't like seeing her having, you know, cancer and being, having a bad diagnosis, but they show you that nice smiling family in the picture and, you know, they're all there for her being part of the process. So, yeah. you know, I have a favorable view of this family. Yes, I I do too. The family is seems very close. Yeah. Um, so now we move to the Winden Police Station, and we have another new character. <laughs> I like this guy. <laughs> I'm, uh, yeah, I'm curious what you think about him. So we have this new investigator that comes into town, and he's going to take over the case of the missing children. Name is Clausen, and he's going to work with Charlotte Doppler to find the boys. And he's running this community meeting to tell everybody <laughs> what he is going to do. And Mr. Obendorf stands up. We haven't seen him <laughs> for a while. <laughs> um, he, he stands up to complain that that there's not enough people in the case. And, right. and Clausen is <laughs> another one of these people that likes to make good speeches. He's like... If you people look at elephants from another perspective and one person can look at the same elephant from 10 perspectives and yeah, he was basically trying to say, hey, I'm awesome. You know, like I'm the right man for the job. (laughs) Oh, then of course. Yeah, of course. Eric's dad comes back like if I want to find an elephant, I'll let you know. But in the meantime, find my kid. (laughs) I, I mean, I like this a lot. I thought this was almost like the comic relief of the episode. Um, Maybe intentionally, probably unintentionally, but just, yeah, the way he was landed on so thick to everybody with his um, philosophies. And I think he quoted Nietzsche as well at the beginning or quoted Freud or somebody. And that's how he started out his whole thing. And the other cops are looking at each other like, what's he doing with this? And yeah, from the townspeople perspective, um, it's good they have an, another person on the case looking, but I guess they expected a little bit more. So it's underwhelming. Um, but he holds a crowd's attention. Like um, he's got like that, I don't know, that stern older guy stare that stares right through you that, you know, is a kind of almost of a commanding gaze, I guess you would say. Yeah. I don't know. It, <laughs> he, he, he laid it on thick. I went through like what's called wood badge training and, um, and scouting. And it's like a really intensive course. It's like a six day course, like spread out over a couple of weekends and, um, they indoctrinate you and all that stuff. And you got to do an Eagle project and it's, it's really intense. And they talk like this the whole time. Like everything is like a question. Everything is a puzzle <laughs> Every, you know, and everything is big and you got to think big the whole time. And it's, uh, it's intense. And this guy's intense too. He's not going to come into town and just be lazy and mm. put his feet up on the desk. Um, so the next scene is Magnus and Francisca sitting by the lake. Um, this is an interesting scene because of the colors again, Steve. So far, (laughs) we've always seen Francisca wearing these natural colors, right? Mm -hmm. This time she's wearing this bright blue shirt and on her wrist, she has a bright pink bangle of some kind or a ribbon she's tied around her yep. her wrist 
And it's almost like a brand new Francisca. Um, <laughs> and like know. a more punk rock Magnus, too. Like um, the way he's dressed in this episode, like mm-hmm. it's like it's how my daughter dresses and all her friends. Like they wear ripped up jeans and oversized um, white T-shirts and, you know. Yeah. I mean, he's always been pretty punk rock looking, but his yeah. hair is longer. Um, but he still looks absolutely miserable. Uh, so no matter what he what mm-hmm. he wears, he's wearing a frown. And those um, sad eyes. That's that was my note for this scene was his yeah. sad eyes is what took it away from me. His his eyes always do look sad. They seem to be doing I would th- I think they sort of on the front, they seem to be doing well as a couple. Like she's yeah. into it, she's kissing him. They're like, you know, obviously a couple, but you know, they're and they're talking about if their parents talk to them about the case. Mm-hmm. And Francisca says, no, they're both feeling useless and neglected. <laughs> and then Francisca gets a text and she abruptly gets up to leave and gives him a kiss. And he looks really unhappy about this, mm-hmm. um, this, this chain of events. He's still... A suspicious man. What is it? What's the song? Suspicious Minds. That's um, right. Got- the Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> we can't go on together. Um, mm-hmm. But he, yeah, it, it was pretty pretty weird timing. She gets a text. She excuses herself to go. She's got a good excuse, which I think is a lie. But mm-hmm. she's got a good excuse. She has to go pick up her sister. Doesn't seem like he's buying it. And yes, it seems like they're pretty happy, but. How happy can they be if, like, Magnus is suspicious of her and if she has, like, a secret she's hiding from him? You know, especially when you're, you know, you're that age and you're that in love. Like, having, like, a secret or hiding something from someone else is a huge deal. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think this town is full of secrets. Mm -hmm. But also, you know, you have to hand it to Magnus or, you know, give him a little empathy. I mean... His parents, I don't know if he knows his parents were having an affair, but he's used to, like, secrets and lies. So I feel like, okay, yeah, it's natural that he's not going to be able to trust Francisca for some reason. But it's, but it's, yeah. And on the one hand, you feel like they've sort of grown closer together. They right. Seem, they seem more relaxed and happy with each other. But at the same time, Magnus is still getting that... Getting that stalker urge. <laughs> he still doesn't know where that money came from. He still has no idea, you know? So he still yeah. knows there's like some railroad track thing, all this money. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I think he has kind of good reason, but nothing a good yeah. conversation can't cure, but this is a world of dark. <laughs> <laughs> People don't talk to each other. No. <laughs> We then see Katarina making her way to the entrance of the cave. She's got a map and a flashlight. And she looks determined. She's, mm-hmm. I mean, she's like Ulrich's wife here. She's like, I'm going to pick up where he left off. Yeah, this is a surprise to me and a welcome surprise. I liked her determination that she was going through all those paperworks like Ulrich was. It's, mm-hmm. it's great. Yeah. Rubs off I mean, on the family later, too. <laughs> at this point, Ulrich's been gone for... Six months? What, six months? I yeah. I mean, yeah. So who knows what... What set off this, you know, six months later, I decided to start looking for my husband. Um, so I don't know. But yeah, Katarina's on the on the job right now. 
Yeah. Hello to everyone out there in Zombieland. I'm Gina, former host of We Live, a weekly podcast about life after reanimation that I was broadcasting from an island lighthouse somewhere off the coast of the Pacific Northwest. And I'm aging Gen X shock jock radio DJ Joe Dees. One night I broke into Gina's lighthouse thinking it was abandoned, but after I found out she had a plethora of audio equipment, I decided to never leave and turn her depressing death-filled podcast into the We Live Zombie Carnival morning show. Every week, guests from around the world call into our show. They range anywhere from movie producers, podcast hosts, musicians, and even doctors and professors. Unfortunately, by the end of their interview, they are attacked by zombies and killed live on the air. Don't let that get you down. Since we're a radio show, we always make sure to send them off to the best underground and indie music around the world. Think End of Days meets College Radio. And it's all based on the award-winning screenplay of the same name. So make sure to check out We Live. Available on Spotify, iTunes, and YouTube. Every Friday, right here on... Brains! 98.6 KZ! So then we're in the future. Jonas stops by the power plant and there's a wall covering everything that says, do not enter. Right. And he walks through this field of graves and we see graves for Alexander Tiedemann, Justina Jankowski, and Torben Waller. Then we see oh, a... That's, that's our um, Waller, right? That's our... Our that, Waller, yeah. <sighs> And Justina Jankowski, just so you know, we know we've seen her before too, but they've just not named her. She's the female police officer right. that Ulrich asked, you know, can you look into Mr. Obendorf? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and she's there when Clausen yeah. is. She's yeah. exchanging glances with Waller, like, <laughs> what's up with this guy? Yeah. And now she's dead. <laughs> So he has the family photo he took from his from his kitchen. He puts it on the grave marked Michael Conwald, and then he looks at the grave of Marta Nielsen. So, yeah, Marta's um, death day is June twenty seventh, twenty twenty two. So when the mm. apocalypse happened, it happened to Marta. And Michael's birthday. You is, said twenty twenty two. I'm. I'm. If I said that, oh, I didn't mean to. 2020. Yes. Okay. Like she died on she died on the six days from now kind of thing. Um, and yeah, Michael's birthday is May 11th. Same birthday. I mean, not the same birthday. Me and Heather's anniversary is uh, May 11th. So we got married in honor of uh, Michael. In 1973 okay. is when we got married. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I didn't even look at any of the dates. <laughs> I look at. I look, it sounds good that you did. I didn't look at any of that. <clears throat> So then we're back in 2020. Marta rides her bike towards the bridge to meet mm. Bartosh. And he is waiting underneath the bridge for her. The two start this conversation that, you know, Marta asked Bartosh to meet her, but we find out she's been ignoring his calls again so maybe he's been trying to reach her and she finally mm-hmm. responds she tells him to meet her there right she doesn't but want to do Bartosz, it with the phone. she wants to do it in person yeah Bartosh is upset and then Marta accuses Bartosh of hiding things and changing whatever that means yeah uh, and then Bartosh you know is like well my mom's dying and she's like well I have this problem to deal with and so they're kind of having a contest about whose life is the crappiest right now 
I think the real wedge though was is Bartosh keeping a secret from Marta. He's like obviously hanging out with Noah. And I think that's the big thing. It's not cancer. It's not Mickle. It's not Ulrich being missing. I think it's Bartosh being weird and like keeping stuff from Marta. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I kind of think I kind of see it like you know, the problem is Bartosh isn't Jonas. Ah, okay. <laughs> I feel like Marta is kind of right. using that as an excuse. Okay, yeah, it's to, a good excuse, though. It's the yeah. best excuse, and he doesn't argue with that excuse either. I mean, yeah, he admits that he's hiding things, and that he can't tell her anything. But I, I think mainly it's that, you know, we saw, like, at the end of season one, the last time we saw these two, Marta went to Bartosh because she was upset about what Jonas did. And she sort of confided in him. So maybe mm-hmm. they, I don't know, maybe they like, maybe they hooked up again. You know, maybe they've been dating since then. Um, mm-hmm. But her heart hasn't been in it, is my speculation. Is that ever since Yona kissed her and then rejected her, you know, she's really, she's really kind of um, harping on him, kind of. You know, she's stuck on him. And, Bartosh isn't being maybe the best boyfriend, but he also knows her heart's not in it. So, yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess like at this point, Jonas has been missing for six months too. So like everybody's yeah. missing from Marta's life, basically, it seems mm-hmm. like. Well, they're both, they both are under a lot of stress, you know, yeah. so I don't want to downplay that or say one person's being more meaning they're both both of their lives suck but they're not they're not good together right now they're not supporting each other so they're ready to they're you know they they break up i think we got to remember too that they they met on bikes under the bridge these are kids so yeah <laughs> we got to remember that as well and bartosh gets a message from an unknown sender that says this evening. We all know who it is. <laughs> this phone should just say it. <laughs> it's Claudia. No, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's Noah. So then the wind and power plant. Alexander Tiedemann is having a staff meeting during which everybody's having a staff meeting today. Um, he has a staff meeting <laughs> during which he announces that in six days, the Wyndham power plant will be decommissioned, that that the future of power is always going to be nuclear power. However, those uninformed people that and all of their rules <laughs> and regulations, because yep. of this, we're going to be put out of out of commission. He thanks everybody for all their years of service. After that meeting's over, he, along with another employee, walk to the reactor room and they put on these hazmat suits and the staff member says that everything is ready for transport. Right. And they make mention that the radiation barrels, the radiation levels will match the radiation that was already there. So it's a perfect cover, according mm-hmm. to them. Um Talk about regulations. I think there's a regulation against this. There must be. If I go through the book, I'm sure I can find one. This is not a great idea. And they know it's not a great idea because they're wearing hazmat suits. Yeah. <laughs> so, another, this is going to be another one of those interesting, for false reports they're going to make, you know. 
that what's what's causing all this radiation? Oh, it's just leftovers from the other thing that happened here so many yeah. years ago. Yeah. Yep, we got a we got an excuse. <laughs> and now we move to Hannah. And um Ooh, she's looking yeah. rough. She's at the kitchen table and she opens her metal box where she's been keeping all of her secret stuff, her secret mm-hmm. Alexander stuff. Inside is a passport and a gun and she picks up the gun and she seems ready to use it on herself. Yeah. And just then the door opens. And can, it's our stranger Jonas. Let me interrupt you before mm-hmm. you continue because I think that I just thought about that like somebody came just in time. We talk about how like, you know, time will fix itself and like if it's not your time then something will inadvertently stop it from happening. So mm-hmm. maybe she, I think that she was going to kill herself and then mm-hmm. a knock comes on the door to stop her from doing so. It's time <laughs> coming in here yeah. to stop it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they, I've actually thought about this scene. Whenever I see it, I'm like, does he know this or is it you know, like, is this one of his dates he has in his book? Like, remember to show up at your mom's yeah. house this day? Or is this, like you said, just time fix, keeping the loop, keeping, you know, keeping things going? Um, mm-hmm. So, but it's it's Stranger Jonas, and <clears throat> she has no idea who he is and doesn't understand why he has a key to the house because he doesn't knock he just uses the key and comes in right and he says you know it's my key (laughs) still fits and he does the thing where he has to prove to her who he is who he says he is by coming up with these special facts that that nobody would know except for their family right i think it's interesting how when she asks him a direct question like um I can't remember if she's like, you know, what are you doing here or something? Or why are you here? And he takes a beat and he looks at the floor and like the camera pans to the floor mm-hmm. and it holds it for a couple seconds. And then he comes back and I'm like, I'm going to remember this right. moment because I think something significant is going on that I, I didn't catch. But they told me to remember this. Um, you're nodding your head, too. So I think I'm right. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of like when he remember when he goes up to the room and he was looking at the ceiling, the, the, mm-hmm. the thing, and it's like he's he's noticing something that happened. So you get yeah, you get the sense. I don't remember that, anything happening on the floor right there. Like <laughs> so, I think we're gonna see it later. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, she does ask him where. What are you doing here? Or why are you here? And um, that's what. Yeah, that's when he looks down. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this scene with like when she finally comes and they embrace and like they're like weeping. It's just a, I mean, it's a great moment. And like you know, television, like it just captures that moment of sadness like so well. Or I don't even know if it's sadness. It just captures those moments, those emotions, very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this overall one of the things i notice about this episode is that it's a new episode and so it's kind of doing a lot of showing us different sides of characters now mm-hmm. we've already seen we've already seen a there's been moments of empathy for Hannah already but mm-hmm. you know think about we think about like we saw this Noah we've seen all we've seen Noah is he's this calm cool collected now we see a more distraught Noah 
Right. And here with with Hannah, we've seen like bitchy Hannah. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's um, you know, that's kind of focused on Ulrich. And here she's like she's actually contemplating suicide. I mean, and her son comes, and this is maybe her one good relationship she has that we can. Mm-hmm. You know, th- at this moment, she becomes Hannah, the mother whose son has come. And you feel, you know, you kind of feel sorry for her because you realize, like, okay, her husband killed herself. Her lover's turned away and gone missing. And now Jonas has vanished. And she's just like, what am I even here for anymore? Like, sure. nobody cares. She had sort of a friend, maybe, and she felt like she had a false friendship with Katarina. But yet, that was, some again, that was somebody that was part of her life and now Katarina is also like no longer a friend uh, for good reason but she's literally alone so she should be hanging out with like Regina I mean why not have, have a girl night neither one of them like really seem like they have friends like why not hang out together <laughs> oh, oh Regina yes let's be friends after I accused you of after I like made you the scapegoat for my crime it's all good now it's been six months it's all good. <laughs> I, I did have more to say, but I realized that they actually start having a conversation. So most of my notes come in like when they actually start talking later. So mm-hmm. I think that's all I have to say for this scene for now. Okay. So then we hear Noah's voice saying, there is no coincidence. Every path is predetermined. Everything happens when it must at the right time in the right place as if the world was a carpet made of an endless network of endless threads each in its place <laughs> so that's kind of what you were saying Steve that um, you know Jonas showed up right in the nick of time stranger Jonas yeah I suppose yeah. so it was, part of, it was part of the pattern that's been woven before us mm-hmm. and then we have a shot of Francisca walking through the woods again like exactly like that scene in in episode one where she's it's like the iconic shot of Francisca walking on the railroad tracks <laughs> and Magnus is watching her put things in the metal box just like last November <laughs> right back where we started from he's eyeballing her and scoping things out yep mm-hmm mm-hmm um, so then we have in 1921, middle-aged Noah is speaking with the younger Noah of 1921. So this is the second time. Well, no, that's not true. Because I was like, Yo- stranger Jonas talked to young Noah. Mm-hmm. Y- Jonas. Hel- older Helge has talked to younger Helge. Yep. I was like, okay, this is now the third person to talk to himself. Yeah, I like it a lot. It's, it's yeah. fascinating to me. Noah tells his younger self that Adam will be proud of him and that his guilt about committing murder will pass soon enough. Noah, younger mm. Noah, remembers what that the man in the cave said to him and asks, why did Adam take us in and why did he call us Noah and how do we know what's right and wrong good and evil? And then older Noah says that basically he must listen, learn to listen to his own voice, my voice. (laughs) And like, listen to yourself is basically what he's saying, which is really an interesting 
mind bender because yes, both of is. these people are actually listening to Adam. <laughs> That's right. And like your inner voice, I think, is kind of shaped by outside influences as well, too. I mean, of course, you have like your own id, but I mean, you also are shaped by other people like both of these versions of Noah are being shaped by Adam. So it's not mm -hmm. exactly I don't think he's exactly right there when he's saying like, you know, listen to only your inner voice. Only, you know, only I know. I think he goes on to say, like, I am you never forget that. So he's right. like manipulating. It's like he's manipulating himself. Yeah. And it's like when I saw this scene, too, it reminded me of um, that Pixar movie about emotions and all the different characters. Mm -hmm. So like out. we have hmm? inside out, inside out. And then you have um, you have Noah, like the calm, cool, collected older Noah. And then you have his emotions of like guilt and like doubt and insecurities, like literally sitting beside him. Except mm -hmm. it's another version of himself, but it's like that version like represents like his conflicts. And then his older self is, you know, trying to cool his younger self down, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, Noah is another character that we, I feel like in season two, this starts us out where we're like, okay, we're seeing a different side of Noah. And he's not actually as self-aware as he thinks he is because mm -hmm. he would know he would be able to see how he's being indoctrinated. <laughs> sure. He's not even making his own his own thoughts. And like you said, yes, you're being you're being shaped. We're shaped by the forces, but then we each have to like kind of come to our own conclusion. Mm -hmm. And I feel like you know, he was saying that he said he says like a bunch of times that Jonas is Claudia's puppet. Well, you're <laughs> Adam's puppet. Noah. Right, exactly. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I um, thought that exact mm -hmm. same thing. It seemed apparent, but I don't know how he doesn't see it. But mm -hmm. yeah, maybe yeah. he just does completely lack self awareness 100%. I don't know. Mm -hmm. So in 2053, right. Jonas walks through this field of corpses hanging from trees. This is another like this is another disturbing scene. Seeing all this, it is. Um, <laughs> he overhears gunshots and people yelling, and it's a group of militants that Jonas encountered when he first came to the time. The man is yelling, you are hiding it. You found it. You must not hide God. And he and these other men have nooses around their necks. And then we meet the leader who we have not seen up to this point. We saw the girl from the future who must who seems to be her like second in command. Right. Her lieutenant. But this is like the leader of the people. This middle aged woman with short blonde hair. She's got like a glass eye. Mm -hmm. She's just completely fierce. She's got a scarred face. And it turns out that this person is deaf and speaks sign language. And ta-da, here's Elizabeth. I think it's so awesome. I mean, <laughs> she was cool as a little kid, but like she is, I mean, she's fierce and she's rough. And like, I don't agree with her choices, but she's mm -hmm. cool. I mean... <laughs> She's totally yeah. cool. Like, and she sign, signs with sass, even as an adult. Like, 
I love her her emph- emphasis with her yeah. signs. This is you know it's crazy. We see the we saw Elizabeth with like you know she was she was sassy, but she also had like this pretty blonde hair, and mm-hmm. here she's just like she is a weapon, a weapon of yep. um you know of the times. Um, she reiterates that no one can enter the dead zone. It's forbidden. Mm-hmm. And the men with the nooses are hanged for their for their offense of trying to find the thing, whatever this god thing was. And everyone walks off except Jonas. And <clears throat> this makes the leaders decide to question him. Where have you been? Right. Um, I don't know. This just reminds me of like, <clears throat> we see movies of <clears throat> like the Taliban, you know, when you see the Taliban in movies or things like that's what this reminds me of is like, sure, there's sure. a statement and these people are being used as examples. Yes. And um, they're so, everything is so protected that anybody just like hanging out is now questioned. So Jonas, because he's just standing there, they ask him where he has been, and Jonas w- asks them a question. Well, what's outside the wall? And nobody, neither party gets an answer to the question. <laughs> that is right. And Elizabeth says that the prophecy will only be fulfilled if people obey the law. And um, talks about paradise. And Jonas is not having any of the paradise. He's not into that at all. He just wants to save his family and friends back in 2020. Yeah, does she know? I mean, at this point, we don't really know what their relationship is. Mm -hmm. Like, we know when Jonas first showed up, he got, like, the butt of a gun to the face by this girl. Yes. Um, So I guess that's all past now. It seems to me that, like, he's found his place in their society he just kind of lives in his house and shows up to the meetings when he has to, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah, didn't miss anything, of, did I? Yeah, I mean, I think the sense I get is he's been like just keeping a low profile. And that's you know, why they're like, that's where they're like, where have you been? I yeah, guess. Yeah, and here, maybe he doesn't normally go to the meetings. <laughs> you know, he's just been kind of, like you said, he's in the bunker a lot of times. Okay. He's foraging for supplies, he's going to the gravesite. Yeah, He's they don't know really, about all that. Yeah. yeah, they don't know about any of that because, yeah, he, um, at any rate, the yeah. interpreter, we don't learn her name at all at this point, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. Okay, so we're unclear. Uh, I was wondering if Elizabeth knew who Jonas was, but it, it's, it's unclear stuff at this point. What I do know is that there's consequences for nosing around the power plant. <laughs> you get hung. And you don't get hung like in the traditional sense of like, you know, your neck broken. And then, you know, that's like the humane way to hang someone is to quickly hang them and break their neck and then they'll die instantly. They're slowly lowering these guys up and like basically like just suffocating them and torturing them and making the hanging go on much longer than it should. That's something that I noticed that I thought was um, pretty brutal, um, I guess, to make the example, like you said earlier. I didn't notice they did a slow hanging. Yeah, they just kind of had them on a winch, and they just slowly lifted them up. It wasn't like a trap door was like, or a a stool was kicked out from under them. Uh, So yeah, Hmm. it's very brutal. Very, 
okay. intentional, I guess. But yeah, I think that is the question, you know, like, does what is Elizabeth? Who is Jonas to Elizabeth? Does she remember him? Um, does she know who he is? Oh, they're all sick mundus creatus est heads, too, because they say that. They say to, it like, later. Break up mm-hmm. the meeting. Yeah. <laughs> and like how they talk about God, how, like, you know, they're hiding God in there, and we know that that's the God particle because um, mm-hmm. Claudia talks about it. Um, so I, th- I think it's an interesting yeah. comparison. Um, yeah, what did they say? Something about the passage must be opened to lead us back to paradise. And so it makes me think about the passageway in the tunnel, but we know that that passageway has been closed. <laughs> so that seems mm-hmm. not possible at this point, as far yeah. as we know. <laughs> The passage has been closed, but not necessarily destroyed. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. So that's their goal is to is to reopen it and go to paradise, I guess. Just like um, nineteen twenty one. That's the same promise that uh, that Noah and the man in the cave were talking about. Like, it's mm-hmm. paradise is coming. Yeah, I wonder if they all heard it from the same person. <laughs> <It's> possible. <laughs> it seems to be like a theme going on about paradise. Yep. Yeah. And in 2020, then, we see younger Elizabeth. And Peter and Elizabeth are visiting Tanhouse's store. So our clockmaker's store is also looking fairly disrupted. Yeah, but it's cool. Like at the same location, you can kind of recognize some of the um, the mm-hmm. guideposts in there. So I like that. Yeah, one of the things I, I like I, if I was going to interview Bo and Yantia, I would want to ask them. And you know, did you do these things in order? Like, did they have to do all the scenes like at the school gymnasium, for instance, and then destroy the school gymnasium, and then do the scenes like in the apocalypse? Right. Um, you know, the same thing with the store. Did they have to set up the store and then like hmm. slowly just you know make it old? Yeah. But yeah, it's it's a cool it's a cool store. They it's still there. Uh, Elizabeth is curious why Charlotte never sold it, and Peter says it was the only thing she had from her family. She never really knew them, and Elizabeth finds a photo of her, meaning Charlotte and younger Charlotte, the bird drawing Charlotte. <laughs> um, her and Tanhouse standing together, and Peter just smiles and keeps looking through the, through the boxes. Is this a revelation to us that Tanhouse is Charlotte's grandfather? It seems to me this is being revealed for the first time. I think it is. We we heard her talking about her grandfather, that yeah. her grandfather was obsessed with the 33-year cycle and all okay. that kind of stuff. So we inferred it was him, but now we're getting the definite, you know, this is, yeah, There's confirmation. The right in front of us. The this evidence. is her, her <laughs> grandfather. And we also find out she doesn't know who her who, who, who her parents are. Yeah, that's interesting. So I guess she was mm-hmm. raised by her grandfather while he was raised wor- by her grandfather while he was working on clocks. He was also letting her. Oh, she was just gone gathering dead birds and drawing them. He was, <laughs> great job there, HG. Because <laughs> we we asked that right, like we yeah. I mentioned we mentioned last season that. We didn't really get to see her parents. Mm-hmm. And there was the question about what was her last name. Yeah, that's before. right. Before. And so I guess it was Tanhouse. Charlotte Tanhouse. Yeah. It's cool. All right. Peter's <laughs> fun here. 
he's like fun dad. He's like got his spunk back and he's like smiling and laughing and I don't know. I like Peter here. He loves his kids. He likes hanging out with yeah. his kids and he doesn't he doesn't have to be he doesn't have Charlotte frowning at him. <laughs> well it seems like he and Charlotte are kinda of getting along better now. And um mm. the Charlotte the Charlotte household seems like they're they're pretty stable. Nobody's missing Nobody's the dead. The Doppler household. <laughs> the Doppler household. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> like how you call it the Charlotte household. Because <laughs> she does carry the, wear the pants in the family. Yeah, but it seems like they're uh, now they are now that the whole secret's out. Because last season Peter was, I mean he was I was suspicious of him the whole time because I don't remember. You know, I mm-hmm. kind of lost the thread of his storyline. So yeah, I was yeah. very suspicious of him still. I was like, I can't remember how he tied into this, but I guess he did something bad. (laughs) So now he's been redeemed. So Peter's the cool dad, in my opinion, now. (laughs) We're now at the Wyndon Police Station, and we get to see Charlotte and Clausen together. (laughs) Their vibe. through the case vial. Yeah, these two do not vibe together at all. Charlotte is used to people like Waller. She can just say, like, okay, you can look, you can go now. Yeah. Um, but Clausen is not one to be shaken. He's sort of low-key interrogating her. Yeah. He doesn't even want his own office. He wants to sit there with her and stare at her. He doesn't even want, you know, he wants to be in the thick of it, I guess. That's his style. Yeah. And he, again, he continues with the speeches. You know, she's like, I cleared out an office for you. And he's like. You should expect the unexpected with me, but he doesn't just say that. He makes some. He again. He again quotes some philosopher, and um, but yeah, he keeps bringing the conversation back to Ulrich, right? And wanting to know if she suspects Ulrich, and Charlotte is giving away nothing. You know, she's able to not give anything away very well. <laughs> She found the photo evidence of Ulrich, but as we said before, she's not, she's going to do her own investigating. She's not ready to share any of her findings with any of her own staff, and definitely not with Clausen. <laughs> um, Waller comes in with statements from all the parents, and Clausen kind of gives him a funny look, and Charlotte, as usual, just dismisses Waller. Thank you, Waller. Goodbye now. It was and, a it was a more uh, polite dismissal that I'm used to from Charlotte. So <laughs> maybe she's appreciating him a little more uh-huh. now that she sees what she has to deal with. That's what I was thinking. You know, compared to <laughs> <laughs> that. That's the funny. This that's the funny thing that I was going to say about Clausen. As much as the people of Wyndham don't always get along, I feel like when it comes to outsiders, nobody likes nobody likes them. They're all going to be. <laughs> allied against outsiders being able to come into this town. I think they like things the way they are. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. I think this guy's going to figure it out. You get an outsider in there from an outsider perspective and he's smart and observant. I mean, I don't know. I I got high hopes for this guy that he's going to put some things, start putting some time travel stuff together. Like so far he's rooted in reality. Um, He's looking for physical Mm -hmm. stuff. Uh, we'll see if he gets mm-hmm. on the cuckoo side <laughs> <laughs> anytime soon. Um, yeah. I like two things. One thing he said was to, uh, that I, that's always been something that I've said to my kids too, is to have hopes, but not expectations. Like, I hope I win the Nationals competition next month, but 
you don't walk in there like I'm gonna win. I'm gonna take the cake home. You know, you're you're setting yourself up for. Uh, I mean, if you do win, of course, and you have those expectations, that's great. But if you're a normal person, <laughs> mm-hmm. you have these high expectations and you don't meet them, then you're disappointed. So I do like that philosophy that Clausen brings up here. I, I latched onto it immediately. And the look he gave like, me. It was evidence of you, because it's like evidence that you're right. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's right. Like, <laughs> Preach on, Clausen. Talk that Steve talk. Um, he looked at Waller really funny, and um, I noticed... You know, last season he had that big clunky patch on his eye. Now he's mm-hmm. got this more like, um, you know, regimented, you know, medical eye thing now, but it still covers up like a huge portion of his face. And I'm thinking it's one of two. I have eye problems too. Um, listeners to the podcast have heard me talk about it before. I have macular degeneration. So I'm like legally blind in one of my eyes. So like when I was mm-hmm. going through like, um, when that was starting to happen and I was doing like different therapies and stuff, you know, they would do stuff to my eye that would make it super sensitive. So I had to do the Waller and wear like a big giant patch on my eye, not for anybody's sake, but my own, because any mm-hmm. light coming through was just going to be blinding. So I'm thinking either he has like a severe light sensitivity going on in his eye or he's been hanging out with those, uh, nuclear barrels and stuff I wonder if like some kind of accident happened you know when that accident happened that Claudia no no that would have been like in 1986 that accident happened my point is is like I wonder if like some uh, nuclear radiation might have scarred up his face and he's trying to hide it Um, just really interesting to have that it's really physical and it's noticeable and it just makes you wonder no one talks about it Except for yeah. us. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Charlotte Re- is quick to respond to Peter's text. She's never been more excited about talking to Peter. Um, he sends her a text. <laughs> and usually, you know, how she ignores him. But she's like looking for any excuse to get out of that room. And Peter then listened Klausen- to you last season. He was like, I got to text her. That's what Lindsay said. Clausen says, uh, I don't have a car. So can I ride with you tomorrow? And Charlotte's like, yes, okay. She immediately um, agrees. Gotta give it to her. Yeah. She didn't hesitate. Well, she just wanted to get out of the room. She's like, fine, I'll agree to anything you say right now. <laughs> just as long as I can get out of here, yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then Marta is, goes into Mickle's room looking for her mom. And instead, she finds all of the files that Katarina has been studying. And then um, she shows them to Magnus a little bit later, too. But she's, uh, Marta's like, look, there's all this stuff that they've been hiding from us. Yeah, it seems like now everybody's getting in on the thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like almost everybody in our families is like involved. I was trying to think of like who's not involved. And the people who are not involved are also indirectly involved. Like Regina is not really involved in all this, but she kind of is because she's married to Alexander and they saw the big black thing over the power plant. And then I think like, well, maybe um, uh, Francisca, not really involved, but she's got her own like secret thing going on too. Um, it's in, It's not really directly related, but 
it seems like everybody has got some kind of hand in this whole plot. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Well, everybody's got a secret. Everybody's hiding something. And it seems like all those secrets are like related to each other and all directly related to um, the time travel portion. Mm-hmm. Or the well, everybody's murders. a detective. Everybody's a detective on the show. It's like yeah. <laughs> a bunch of Nancy Drews, you know, trying to figure out stuff. Yeah. But I think I think Marta also mentions Bartosh. You know, like, well, mm-hmm. there, this secret, this must be what Bartosh knows. You know, right? So, yep. Yep. Um. Yeah, and Katarina's in the caves. She comes to a dead end and sits down, looking dejected. And, you know, that's again, she's almost following. It's like she's following Ulrich's footsteps because he did the same thing. He went to the cave and was just like, there's nothing. I can't find anything. Well, she's looking at those maps and we're looking at those maps over their shoulders, too. And they're Mm -hmm. showing like the steel door. And that's what she's looking for is the door. So she she doesn't have a stranger Jonas. Yeah, she doesn't have a stranger Jonas coming to her room (laughs) and circling things on the map to help her. I don't know. She's doing pretty good by herself. I like her determination. Adam and Noah are now talking. We get to see Adam for the first time. And he's this old scarred dude. Yeah, yeah. Like um, Voldemort almost looking. Like a like a scarred up Voldemort. But wearing a very tailored suit. Oh, he's um, sharp. Yeah, yes. that's right. He's sharp dressed. (laughs) Adam wants to know what Noah told Bartosh and tells him to find the missing pages from the book. Right, right. He also reiterates that the apocalypse must happen and Hmm. uses this analogy about when you have an old forest and you want new trees to grow, you must burn the forest down. Or just prune. I mean, and, um, yeah, you could just prune instead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it seems like he's in direct yeah. opposition. I mean, not everybody knows. <laughs> What's that? Sorry, I would just like not everybody knows the correct way to prune a tree, though. I bet Steve. Uh, <laughs> not in Winden. Burn it down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say he's in like a direct opposition to um, to Jonas here because Jonas, stranger Jonas, I should keep saying that stranger Jonas is all like I gotta change it I gotta change the future you know mm-hmm. whereas um, you know Voldemort here is like you gotta the, the apocalypse has to happen um, I don't know who to believe I don't know he doesn't look like a very trustworthy guy though and then there's this painting on the wall the fall of the damned oh, yeah. by Peter Paul Rubens um, this painting we see a lot in season two and I believe season three. Oh, okay. And it's, yeah, it's a, um, it's a painting of souls, full souls of good and evil. And, you know, there's, uh, an archangel, one of the angels is, you know, wrecking this vengeance upon them. And then all the people that are, um, you know, destined for hell are are suffering below and so there's like it's just a massive a massive painting and it's got a really interesting some it could be you know you could interpret this painting many ways like everything but it just 
dawns on me that they keep talking about going to paradise you know mm-hmm. seven more days and we'll go to paradise in order to go to paradise we have to go we have to go through hell we have to be in this abyss right. they talked at the beginning about looking into the abyss and um a, another word for hell can be abyss also so there's this there's this big theme starting in the season about like the damned the abyss paradise and what you have to do to get to paradise yeah, I've I've seen this painting before used in other um movies and it's yeah, it's intense. It's just, I think it's a scary painting personally. Like the, the what I get mm-hmm. from it is a is a lot of fear and and pain and suffering. Um that's what I see when I see this painting. Um so an interesting painting to put there in your study and and gaze at <laughs> every day. <laughs> um, we see like an unknown woman walk in. We get, yes. so, so another new character that I guess is associated with their their church. I guess maybe mm-hmm. it's a church. I don't know. He's wearing the a priest church outfit. Of Sigmundus, sure, they're a yeah. part of this. Okay. they all are part of this cult. They all are like, yeah. The building that um, Noah comes out of is obviously a church. The younger yeah. Noah. So yeah, I, I think I'm in the right direction here. I just haven't seen like any services yet. I don't know like <laughs> if they take the sacrament or <laughs> what their children's service is like. I don't know. So then after following Francisca to the metal box under the railroad tracks and watching her leave, <laughs> Magnus hangs out behind a tree waiting to see what happens next. Eventually, Benny or Bernadette comes to pick up the package. Yes. And... And this is one of my, I don't know why, this is one of my favorite scenes of the episode. It just <laughs> makes me laugh um, so, so oh, much. Oh, you mean like when Magnus busts in, that part? Well, okay, I'll, I'll hear, I'll, I'm going to narrate this. So okay. he comes back with the package. Magnus decides to follow, is now following Bernadette to see what happens next. Right. And Benny walks past the trailer truck parked across from the gas station into the trailer Marks herself open for business. <laughs> then Magnus walks inside, and at first Benny's like, um, "I'm on break." But then, as <laughs> as soon as she lays eyes on Magnus, right. she's like, like eh. "Well, maybe I'll <laughs> make yep. an exception for you, handsome." I but that up I have too. to eat my lunch first. <laughs> you know, I have to eat my dinner. But I, it was it was the whole thing was funny because why did okay if you're on break why did you say open you know why did you put on the put on the flashing lights but then it's the it's just like Magnus has no idea what to say and then just runs out <laughs> and then and then Bernadette's like mm, okay yeah I think from from Benny's perspective it's kind of like okay that's just a weirdo that lost his nerve <laughs> basically like somebody wanted it and then decided not to. Um, I think yeah. I think I have an answer for you though. The reason that Benny um, turned those lights on and then went on break is probably just out of habit. Um, they don't get a lot of business out there, so I doubt that they were expecting mm. any business. You know what I'm saying? Like at any given time, it's like okay. maybe they might get one customer every couple of days or something. So I think that just the lights just always on just in case. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's the business model, you know? Like <laughs> That's the business Keep model. the light on, let everybody in, but if you got to take a break, do your thing. <laughs> yeah. 
But I was like, okay, Magnus is really handsome. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I understand. I understand <laughs> Bernadette. <laughs> I mean, Peter ain't a bad looking guy either. I mean, I think Bernadette's got pretty good clientele. <laughs> um, so then at the Conwald house, Hannah continues her conversation with stranger Jonas. And this is the part you said you had some more notes about. Um, mm-hmm. She wants to know where my Jonas is. And right. he explains that Jonas is in the future, that he tried to destroy. He tried. When he says he, that means him, stranger Jonas. Yeah. He, he tried to destroy job. the passage, but only closed it. And now her Jonas is stuck in the future with no way to return. And this is where she asks why he's come. He looks at the spot on the floor. Oh, okay. He tells okay. her he plans to end it. Once and for all, which is what other Jonas and what he said before, too. So everybody's trying to end it or do something, you know, once and for all. Yeah, I think he did a poor job of explaining that to Hannah. I think what I wrote down, what he should have said when she was like, where's my Jonas? He should have Mm -hmm. said, that's me. I am your Jonas. I am your Jonas in the future. Um, and then he could either say you will or you will not ever see the young version of me ever again. Um, now Mm. stranger Jonas knows that information. So he could fill in the blank there. He could say, you'll see, you know, the younger Jonas in a couple of years or whatever. But I think he should have reiterated the fact that like, that's, that's me. It's not a separate guy. It's me. I think he should have harped on that fact a little bit more than he did. And he does kind of say that. He does say that um, in a sense because he talks about how it's the loop and he's like at the later mm-hmm. end of the loop. So he does kind of say that. But yes, when she says, where is my Jonas? He, does, he doesn't say, it's me. You right. know, but Because um, <laughs> I think he's trying to like respect how she's processing it. Uh, um, okay. Yeah. My other note was, I got two other notes. Um one is that he, uh, you can see in this scene, he's got a visible noose scar around his neck. Mm. Um, so they don't explain that. They don't talk about it, but it's very visible. Um, mm-hmm. So we're supposed to notice it and we're supposed to speculate if maybe Jonas goes the same route as Michael. Um, I hope not. Mm-hmm. But I mean, obviously something happened there. Um, and again, another Wheel of Time reference because there's a character in Wheel of Time, Matt, who was hung and he has a new scar and he always wears flamboyant scarfs around his scar so nobody can see it. But um, mm. that's what Jonas reminded me of was Matt from Wheel of Time. Last note, he, he can take a shower anytime. The water works. <laughs> um, he's been there for a while. Um, <laughs> he just refuses to shower. <laughs> he goes to bed all dirty too. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he took one when he was in the hotel, but... That's right. I think that was the last shot. He got really dirty <laughs> in between that time. You're right. But yeah, yeah. Take, you can you can use a shower here, like your old shower, Jonas. Maybe your old shampoo is up there. Give it a shot. He can, he can do that. You're right. Okay, so let's move on. <laughs> I'm with you. Um, Elizabeth is looking through boxes of her great-grandfather's things and comes across 
the Sikamundus photo in a copy of the Kabbalion. I did look up the Kabbalion, and this is a translation as above, so below. So, um, mm-hmm. She finds this photo and recognizes Noah from their encounter in the woods and shows the photo to Peter. Uh, yeah, she's like, that's him. That's our guy, Noah. And <laughs> it's it's rad. I was looking at the other people in the picture, trying to see if I could place them. Yes. Um, I didn't recognize anybody. Um, the Kaibalon, of course, is where we get our seven hermetic principles from. I don't know if you knew that mm-hmm. or not, but it's divided into seven chapters, mentalism, correspondence, vibration, polarity, rhythm, cause and effect, and gender. Um, there's a Richmond band here, a future projector that um, just recently released an album, The Kaibalon, and the seven songs are called this, and they have like videos for each song they play behind them as they perform. So that's, <laughs> so like when, as soon as mm-hmm. I started talking about The Kaibalon, I was like, future projector, I know what this is. This is rock and roll. It's a cool title for a book. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I liked how I liked how Peter reacted here. He's like Noah. He just yeah, he's, it's a good reaction. Sometimes people like have, aren't always reacting appropriately, but here right. Peter is totally. But yeah, the photo is is really really um, amazing. So I'll try to put a copy of this in the video when I make when I make this, but it's like, yeah, we see Noah's in the photo and, and some other people. Um, yeah. And listeners, yeah. don't be afraid to jump up, pause the screen. Cause I do it all the time when I'm watching this show. I'm always like when they show like all the photographs on the wall, I'll pause the screen mm-hmm. and like jump up and get a good close look at everything and check it all out. It's, it's well worth it. Yeah. So we're now at the Wyndon police station. Clausen and Charlotte are still looking through evidence when Charlotte gets a text from Peter. Oh, I already talked about this already. He asks her to meet him in the bunker, telling her, I found Noah. And Charlotte leaves. Yeah, I think we did get our scenes a little mixed up here, but that's all right. Clausen is saying to her the same thing that Noah's neighbor, I think it was Noah's neighbor, was saying to him. Every detail is important. No breath in vain. Like this, mm-hmm. sa- like he's the same philosophy. So I'm like, was Clausen maybe the upstairs neighbor of Noah when he was a kid? Because <laughs> he has oh, the yeah. same philosophy. Nothing is wasted. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And then it's late at night. Jonas goes down to the bunker and he grabs the St. Christopher pendant. We will find out later it is the St. Christopher pendant. Um but I'll tell you right now, it is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll take it. We're now at the Nielsen house. Magnus finds Martha in Mickle's room. She shows him the maps, speculates that Katarina has gone to try and find the trail. And Katarina's still looking for the passage of the door. Now we're with Bartosh, who's outside the cave waiting for Noah. Noah comes out of the cave carrying a suitcase. Suspicious. And he asks Bartosh if he's ready. Yeah, is Bartosh about to time travel here? Is that what's happening? I mean, because that suitcase looks just like Mm. the time machine. And we Mm. saw Noah with it earlier. So in the cave is the time travel cave. So Mm. I think Bartosh is... You mean it's not just 
priestly clothing inside the suitcase. <laughs> I brought you a change of clothes too, Bartosh. Here you go. You brought him an altar boy costume. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this this is like, oh dear, what's happening to Bartosh? Is he going to put him in the blue chair room? <laughs> no. Yeah, I, I'm, I don't think that, like I thought that last season, but this, this season, um, mm-hmm. I'm thinking he's looking for a new hell gay. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. I wonder if he is, um, yeah, I wonder if he does time travel here. That's that's an interesting question that I didn't, I've always wondered, you know, what, is, what are they doing? What's, he's ready for what exactly? You know, what's, what is he, what are they going to do? I think they must be, Yeah. Um, and I guess they can't use the gate because Jonas closed it last season. Um, like if we're looking at a sequence of events here, but he's got the suitcase. Mm-hmm. So right. he, he can rock and roll with that thing. I don't know why he has to do it in the cave. It seems like he could do it anywhere, but maybe the cave has some sort of quality to it. We know it does. The cave is mystic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Or it could just be like a place that's out of the way. Uh, yeah. That people can't see. Correct. Yeah. Mm. Um, then Waller comes out of Bernadette's trailer. Now, we could have all kinds of story times with this, but <laughs> we find out that they are siblings. Yeah, I like this reveal. It's a great reveal because at first you're thinking, oh, Waller's been hooking up. And then you're thinking... <laughs> Oh, I guess they, you know, maybe they have, maybe they have something. And then, yeah, it's the three-step reveal that they're siblings and I'm concerned. I'm way more concerned about Benny now than I was before because Benny's been living next to all those radiation barrels for months. Um, And we know Mm -hmm. that they're dangerous and we know that they make that little thing click a whole lot (laughs) when the the clicking machine, the meter comes around. So it's pretty dangerous. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, poor Benny. Yeah. So I guess Waller talked Bernadette into storing the trailer on, which is interesting because I'm like, okay, does Bernadette own that? I mean, she owns the trailer, but does she own the property? I don't know. The, the trailer, you know, the trailer's on because I think it's she's just, been just storing like a truck that stop. truck there. It's just a truck, a truck stop, stop. Okay. and everybody just kind of has like uh, squatter yeah. rights to their spots. <laughs> okay. Um, Waller asks Benny to please call mom. Yeah. And that's how we find out they're siblings. And I, uh, I, I so could. Th- oh, go ahead. I was just going to say Waller gives, I, I think, I couldn't tell what he gave her, if it was money, you know, the thank you for keeping it. Um, but they switch, you know, she gives him the keys. He gives her. Got to be money. Maybe money, yeah. Or something valuable that. A from reward, Alexander. Maybe a, it was like money from Alexander. I'm thinking that's what it was. I mm-hmm. thought it was interesting how like when when they do the hug and like Benny's kind of like just sweetly kind of like caressing. And then Waller does the old like the the, the big double slap man hug. Like to show like the <laughs> the feminine side and the masculine side of the siblings here. So we're now at the bunker. Charlotte comes down the stairs and meets Peter. He shows her the photo of Noah 
and explaining that Elizabeth found it at the store. And Charlotte turns over the photo and it reads 1921. Sick mundus createst est. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, this is on the back of the photo also. She adds it to the evidence board that she has accumulated. Yeah, so she's got two evidence boards. She's got one at the police station, which is like the, you know, on the record one. And then she's got this Mm -hmm. secret investigation board in the bunker with the same bunker that Jonas also lives in this episode too. Um, I, I I think it was second viewing that I kind of put that together like, Oh, she's, (laughs) she's a cop and she has a second investigation going here. Yeah. Well, I wonder now, did she, I wonder if that one is still at the station or if she moved everything to the secret. No, I guess that'd be pretty noticeable. Clausen was looking at the board um, at one point. Okay. So all that stuff is still up there with Ulrich on it and stuff. Gotcha. Okay. So we now have um, Francisca calling Magnus and he's ignoring her calls. Okay. This yep. is where our musical interlude, which is another Agnes Obel called It's Happening Again. So during this interlude, it's, Francisca... It's Helge's song. <laughs> that's all I could think of when they were saying it's happening again is Helge walking around well, saying also, it's happening again. Yeah, it's also a famous line from Twin Peaks. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, yep. So Francisca calls Magnus, but he's ignoring her calls. Um, Elizabeth is in Francisca's lap holding a stuffed fox. We've already seen mm-hmm. Elizabeth's symbol as the fox. So that was that was a neat little um, reveal. Yeah. Hannah watches stranger Jonas sleep and she holds her hand out as if towards his scarred back. So now we've seen we see the scars in his back, which I think we saw when he got out of the shower mm-hmm. in the hotel. But um, he's pretty beat up. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell Regina is in a hospital hospital style bed in her living room and at the power plant the yellow barrels are covered with what looks like cement. Yes, they're going to cement them in and make like a yeah, a make foundation. a fake floor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just make a new floor on top. And then Clausen has a letter he's carrying around which we don't see, but we see he has a letter and then young Noah walks outside of the church. So those are all of our images we see during this. Yeah, young Noah, that's right. Yeah. Yep, I like how they, um, you know, they make, they concrete in all those barrels, um, but we know that they're still detectable, like in the future. And your very next scene, I think somebody is going to start detecting them. We can hear from his little clicker that Mm -hmm. they're pretty, it's pretty massively radioactive in this area. Yes. Um, Yeah. So when we're in the future, Jonas breaks the rules and enters the dead zone. It looks like there's just a hole in the ground at the wall you can go into. So they, as Mm -hmm. secure as they've made this, they didn't check everything, I guess. Um at the center of the dead zone is the wind and power plant. They've just been calling it the dead zone. So right. we, but we suspected, you know, this is where it would all be. And he follows the signal to the reactor core and he finds the black and blue pulsating God particle. This is the first time we see this thing. And it's, it's crazy. It looks like it's unstable and 
a giant ghost or something. Um, he's smart enough to put on that radioactive suit to go in there, though. Um, he doesn't just go in there just normal. So I'm glad mm-hmm. those suits were there and that he had the wherewithal to do so. That's where our that's where our episode ends, Steve. Right there. Yeah, a pretty big ending, making you wonder what exactly this big blobby thing is and what he's going to do with it now that he's discovered it. And it makes me um a little more, uh, hmm. You know, I was saying so many nice things about the um the Tidemans earlier, Alexander in particular, and we know that it's it's his negligence and his lack of regulations that plays a big part in this and so i can't be too happy at the guy at this point knowing that you know what he's helping with here and he's knowingly helping this as well Mm -hmm. he's knowingly doing all this yeah (laughs) and i wonder you know i hope we get to know like what his what his gain is here with all this if he's just trying to save money or if he's playing an active role Um, I think that other guy that was in the power plant with them might tell us more later, perhaps. I think he might know more than Alexander does. This smart-looking, shorter guy that was with them. Yeah. I mean, my feeling is that when he he got this role from Claudia, Mm -hmm. that, you know, she you know, basically told either she told him or he deduced from her behavior that you need to keep this a secret at all costs. I mean, Mm -hmm. he was the one that helped her build the door. Um, So I think he's kind of like, okay, Regina, I love Regina. Claudia's Regina's mom. The mom told me to keep these secrets, so I'm keeping these secrets. And I'm rich, (laughs) too. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Let's not forget that. <laughs> yeah, for, I, I, I had forgotten that he was that younger man that, that helped build the door. Um, mm-hmm. I, I thought, this, yeah, for, forgot they were the same person. And I'm remembering now like how um, kind of brutal he was in, scene, in season one, beating up Ulrich. And he had like those guys with machine guns at the front. So, yeah, he knew what he, he, he knows. He knows what he's doing. He's in it. I just like to know yeah. how deep he is into it, how much Claudia has revealed to him. And I won't know that until I continue watching. Guess what, Lindsay? I cheated this week. I've already watched episode two. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I watched it last night when uh, when you stood me up. <laughs> I did it in spite too. I, wa- I watched it very spitefully, but it was great. Stood you up? <laughs> what? <laughs> I told you. I know you did. I'm teasing you. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, this is the first time I've done that. I felt so naughty. But yeah, I did watch um, episode two. and um, You martyred me. <laughs> you went behind my back. <laughs> it's just a little secret. No big deal. And look, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm better than everybody else because I'm revealing the secret to you. So you got to give it up. <laughs> mm. But yeah, I, um, I've seen episode two. I can't wait to talk about it with you again. I know you still got your recaps going on and you're doing some revised recaps right now. Um, I don't know. Did you have any closing thoughts for our episode? Nope. I'm just ready for our characters, I guess. We need to do that. We do, we do. Um, 
I think before we do our characters, though, I think we're we're at a good time here, Lindsay. Where I'm, it's, this is not exactly the Barnes Burner quiz, <laughs> but this is what I'm going to call the color compatibility quiz. Okay? okay. Okay. I want you to put your color palette back on. We were talking about colors earlier, and okay. what I did is I took nine colors and I quickly associated. Um, dark characters to these nine colors and just you okay. know um, just have to use the honor policy here that I, I didn't overthink it I just quickly jotted down names next to these colors and so what I'm curious to see is if you come up with the same names for the same colors that I did what was the other stipulation that's it you get the point so I pretty <laughs> much used Roy G. Biv except for Indigo and violet, which I'm very unclear about. I substituted those for pink and purple, okay. and then I added black okay. and white. Okay. So I'm gonna. I need a pen so I can write down what you say, and then we can see how compatible we are with our color compatibility quiz. All right. Okay. Uh-huh. So let's just go Roy G. Biv real quick here. So okay. red. So I just tell you what character, mm-hmm. and you can't use the I same think character is associated twice. with that color. Correct. Um, I'm going to say Hannah. Hannah's red. Okay. Orange. Uh, and this is just my gut reaction, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> There's really no right or wrong. Yeah, that's right. Orange. Um, Claudia. Claudia is orange. Roy, yellow. Jonas. That was quick. Roy G. <laughs> Green. Francisca. Francisca. Okay, this is where we get into the biv part. Okay, so I'm going to mm-hmm. say purple. Purple is Magnus. Magnus is our purple boy. And pink. Bernadette. Benny. I'll call him Benny. <laughs> All right. And so now we're going to get to our black and white. Oh, I'm sorry. I have a skip blue for Roy G. Biv. Mm-hmm. So let's go back to blue. Blue would be Inez. Inez. All right. And now black. Mickle. Mickle in his black and white skeleton suit. And white. <laughs> Noah. I don't know. I don't know. White is tough. <laughs> white is tough. Um, you said, I don't know, Noah. Uh, I chose I Egon him. for white is who my white person was. Um, mm. For black, I chose Magnus because of the black hoodie. You mm. chose Mickle. Um, yellow, of course, is Jonas. How can you deny okay. that? I chose <laughs> We got one, one the same. <laughs> Francisca Green. I chose Francisca also for green. Okay. Um, so we got two compatibilities, and then we got seven non-compatibles. <laughs> okay. For orange, I chose Elizabeth, like the fox. Um, for mm. purple, I chose, and you chose Claudia for orange. For purple, I chose Regina. Uh, you chose Magnus. For pink, I chose Martha. You chose Benny, Bernadette. Uh, Let's see. For red, I chose Claudia. You chose Hannah. See, I originally said red for Hannah also. 
but then when I got I assigned um, Claudia, I, I scratched my name. I scratched Hannah out and I put Claudia instead because I thought mm-hmm. that Claudia represented red better than Hannah. But originally I said Hannah. So take that for what you will. I had both of them. I had both of them in my head <laughs> yep. for red. It was blue that I put that I assigned Hannah to eventually. So I changed my answer there. And you said Inez for blue. Yeah. If it wasn't Inez, I would have said Yana. The, those two are the bluest of the blue to me because they're the calmest and the blue is blue is the calm color the innocent color okay i was i just for some reason i'm just picturing hannah in that blue bathrobe from episode one or two so that's what i always associate her with now is blue for whatever reason that is except for yeah, the red well, young hannah young hannah also she had a lot of blue when she was younger she had like the um mm-hmm. like the plaid skirt that had all the colors in it, but uh, she was wearing a lot of a lot of it was blue. Oh, oh for one wrap up thought too, I, I should have said this during our episode. But when Jonas, stranger Jonas, was trying to convince Hannah who he was, um, he recounted that day back in 1986. He was like, "Don't you remember when you ran into me, and I was wearing my yellow raincoat in the rain?" Um, that was me, and I think that kind of blew her mm-hmm. mind, and it blew all of our minds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's one of my notes I forgot to write down, but speaking of Hannah, yeah. young Hannah. But yeah, I think that's all we got for well, this that week. Was a fun, that was a fun, uh, yeah. not quite a quiz, but that was a fun activity, fun thought exercise. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I should have told the listeners to think along as well, but I'm sure they were already doing that because <laughs> that's what I do when I listen to podcasts. If somebody's getting a quiz, I think of the answers too. And usually my answers are the best answers. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being facetious. Are we still doing our characters? Oh, <laughs> I guess so because I forgot again. So yeah, I'm gonna. Let, you've been thinking about it, so I'm gonna make you go first. Then I'm just. Well, I mean, I was thinking about it just as we were talking because I was like, "Oh crap, I haven't thought about it yet." Okay, so for my best character for this episode, this is and this is a tough one because there's a lot of intriguing characters. But I'm giving my favorite character to Elizabeth, not because I agree with hanging people, but um. <laughs> she was just so interesting when she comes on as soon kind of like the same I felt about Ulrich I was just I'm entranced by her and she's like this force of nature here like in the in the apocalypse the leader is a deaf woman yep and we were talking about Elizabeth earlier I basically said the exact same thing you just said and I almost let it slip that she was going to be my favorite character of the episode too. Um, (laughs) Not just older Elizabeth that you just talked about, but even younger Elizabeth. Um, I just think that she's a cool character. um, And I just, I like her spirit. So that's the exact same character I chose. I wonder, I bet you we probably might have the same worst character too. Do you want me to go first this time? Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah, I think... Anytime somebody kills somebody, they pretty much jump to the top of the list. Like they are, they kill someone. They're like, I know Steve's going to hate this. So yeah, it's 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 Noah. He's he's a he's a mean man that that spiked that other nice man in the back and doing all that double. He's like, I don't know why I'm upset that he's like influencing himself in a weird way, but 
it's still disconcerting to see old Noah talking to young Noah and leading him along. Uh, I don't trust the guy. I don't like the guy. Noah, you're my worst again <laughs> for enough for like the fourth week. <laughs> Uh, well, Noah is actually my uh, my also negative character as well. My worst character mm. as well. But I feel like for a slightly different reason, although okay. so maybe not. I don't know. You were talking about the fact that you were talking about the fact that he killed somebody. But that was younger Noah. That's right. That killed somebody influenced mm-hmm. by Adam. But for me, it was the whole scene afterwards where he's talking to himself and acting like He's somehow immune to being persuaded by anybody. Mm-hmm. I didn't like how he had this air of arrogance. At the same time, I feel so. At the so, that is why I'm giving him my least favorite character because I think he lacks self awareness. However, it's mm-hmm. the older Noah. The younger Noah actually has my sympathies. So I feel like, because we're seeing, again, we're seeing this different side of Noah that he actually had insecurities, um, but he was influenced by himself, which, yeah, is kind of, kind of icky and gross. Yeah. That he was, that that's, that was his lot in life, but then it seems to be also other people's too. Like, for instance, Bartosh is being influenced. Helge right. was influenced. So there's a, there's a lot of that. So it's not like Noah's the only one, but I don't know. Just He just seems the worst or best at <laughs> doing that to, to himself and other people. Yeah, 100% agree. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's, I wonder if, yeah, listener, let us know if you think differently because very rarely do we have the exact, I don't think it's ever happened that we both had the exact same, um, least and most favorite character of an episode. Um, so I think that says a lot that both of us <laughs> glommed onto the same two people, Elizabeth and Noah. Yeah. I mean, there's there's plenty of other trophies I could hand out, but I'm <laughs> supposed to do best and worst. I'm like, you know, Magnus is making questionable decisions, and Clausen's kind of annoying. So, oh, I mean, I was but, thinking about Clausen for my for my favorite, just because I, I figured I, you were. <laughs> I mean, I liked him. I liked his style, and in Jonas, I mean, I'm a huge Jonas fan, especially a stranger Jonas fan, and he really mm-hmm. shined a lot in this episode too. So. Yeah. I, mean, I, I almost thought I will. I my second choice for best would have would have been Hannah, just because. Um, again, mm. you know, she doesn't get an award very often, except for you know, worst. So I was like, true. I felt I felt for her this episode, but yeah, no, it's gonna be Elizabeth and Noah for for both of us, I guess <laughs> this week. Heck yeah! All right, well, we have done it now. Now I'm going to ask you, I have a couple things I'm going to bring up real quick is on okay. July 1st, um, there is a Kaiju Fest. It's a Kaiju Lie Fest happening July 1st. And I'm going to be discussing the Kaiju movie Phallus in Wonderland starring the Richmond band Gore. I'll be discussing that on a live stream. Um, and I think that's my big plug. I want everybody to listen to that. So the link to it is in the show notes here. Um, that's going to be July 1st at 8 p.m. Eastern time. That's what we're doing here anyway on the East Coast. Um, 
How about you, Lindsay? Have you done any movie reviews or any updates? Well, I am going to be doing an Indiana Jones review that's coming out soon. So that'll be my next thing. But I did want to pl- put in a plug. I haven't done a review for it except for a letterbox review, but the movie Past Lives is now out in many theaters and I just want to give my highest recommendation to that movie. Past it's a, Lives. Um, Past Lives, yeah. It's a um, childhood sweethearts that reunite as adults. Um, A Korean movie. It's first time movie for Celine Song. So just give a plug for that movie. Check it out. Watch the trailer to see if it's kind of your jam. Okay. Um, It's definitely a quiet movie about about memories and the power of memory. Um, which in that way I could align with dark, but you know, you grow up and you have, you're now a new person, but you have this memory of the old person, Yeah. but yet you're still connected, but you're not the same person anymore. Interesting. Yeah. Good choice. I haven't heard of this one. Past lives. I could go off on another tangent about that as well, but we're going to wrap up the show. So I'll save that tangent for next week. Yeah. Um, Lindsay's stuff is always at oneofmystories.com, uh, number one of my stories.com. And there's always a link in the show notes, but if you're just a listener, you don't see those links, you just hear us. So that's where you go for Lindsay. Uh, for me, you can check me out at sweet child of time pod at gmail.com is where I get my emails or my Instagram is sweet child of time pod on Instagram. Um, so until next week. The listener and Lindsay, I hope you all find water and shade. How about you, Lindsay? I hope you find water and shade. And I have nothing extra. Just find that water and shade, Steve. I'll I'll try to be more creative next episode, but just straight up. Yeah. I love water and shade. Thank you. (laughs) Bye everybody. Bye.